Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In the first program of 2012, we marked the 50th anniversary of Peter Snell's world record mile at Cook's Gardens in Whanganui. We talked to the New Zealand women's hockey team ahead of the Champions Trophy tournament in Argentina. The Wellington Phoenix skipper Andrew Durante ponders his team's rise up the A-League ladder. And tennis officials try and tackle the grunters and shriekers of the women's game. He's coming round the bed. The crowd sense there's a possibility of less than four minutes. And Snell is in the straight. 25 yards to Apollo. There's 15 yards back to Thomas. Snell up to the line. And he bursts the post. And there's a strong chance as that break goes in the tape. That four minutes has been broken. It would be 25, 30 yards to Tullow. The double Olympic champion Peter Snell not only went under four minutes for the mile on January the 27th, 1962 at Cook's Gardens in Whanganui, but he also broke Herb Elliott's world record of three minutes, 54.5 seconds. Initially, it was announced that Snell had equaled the record time because of a misprint in the meeting program, but that was corrected with Snell running 3 minutes 54.4 seconds. He went on to lower the time even further, running 3.54.1 in Auckland in November 1964. Exactly 50 years to the day, an anniversary meeting will be held at Cook's Gardens to commemorate Snell's feat, and lining up will be New Zealand's 1,500-metre Beijing Olympic silver medalist, Nick Willis. I spoke to Willis about Snell's time and asked him about his year ahead. Isn't that absolutely incredible that 50 years later still that time would stand up phenomenally in the world? Maybe not at the Olympic level, but for races run in January, they were running them so early in the year, which is incredibly impressive. I I don't think I've got any chance of beating that time this week. We're still... um, very, very early in our preparations. But we're looking forward to going out and racing hard. Um, three of my foreign training partners, along with the, the local favourite, Hamish Carson, um, will be racing tough right down to the line, and you should expect a sub-four-minute mile, I would say. And, um, yeah, it will be a, a great way to um, commemorate what a fantastic performance that was 50 years ago. It, what does that, that tell us, that the fact that time does stand up? It tells us that he was a, a legend, he not only did it that many years ago, but it was on grass. Yeah, no, Peter Snell was absolutely phenomenal. So was John Walker a few years later as well. And um, those guys set the standard of what New Zealanders are capable of. And um, it's it's our honour and responsibility to see if we can um, match or better that and continue to keep the, the black singlet out there on the international stage. Do you have much contact or have you had much contact with Peter Snell at all? A little bit earlier on in my career, um, not too much direct contact now, but obviously whenever a Commonwealth Games or Olympics rolls around, um, Snell and Walker and the likes seem to get interviewed on the news and stuff, so I hear their messages indirectly via um, the different news outlets. 2011, a bit of a, a mixed year as far as you, you were concerned? Yeah, it was. We wanted to um, give it a go, racing a, a bit more often and go for some fast times and hopefully... 
um, see if I can respond well from that and still race really well at the World Championships. But unfortunately, I yeah, I didn't really perform how I would have liked, but um, finishing last in the final, bit of an embarrassing performance to say the least. But I ran my fastest time in my career, so it still tells me that the improvement curve is on the up. So don't know when that's going to curtail off. So at the moment, it's still exciting training, knowing that there's there's improvements to be made in, in my ability. Mm-hmm. You, you feel there are improvements to be made. What what areas do you look to make those improvements in? I don't think I need to change anything. It's just that my body is still responding well to the training that we're exposing it to, and there are still um, seconds coming off of my time. So it's exciting to know. It's the the beauty of our sport is it is a measurable thing that we do and so yes it's great making money yes it's great winning medals and all that sort of stuff but regardless of where you are on the um, on the spectrum the beauty of running is that you can try and beat yourself each time and have times that's why people love to go to the AMI around the bays relays and all that sort of stuff Um, because they want to beat their time from the previous year and that's what motivates me the most really I want to see what my body is maximum ability is able to do and I'll keep running until um, that doesn't happen anymore. So, yeah, it's exciting to, to see if I can get down into the 330s in this year, ultimately, to see if I can get back on the podium. Do, do you have a time in mind that you want to beat? Oh, my dream one day would be to, to crack the 330 barrier, but I'm still a, just over a second and a half off that. And, um, yeah, that would be, to me, worth almost as good as an Olympic medal. Um, well, probably as good as an Olympic medal, not as good as an Olympic gold. Um, but yeah, that would that would be the dream one day. Now, twenty twelve, we've got the the London Games. You we're six months out. How how do you feel looking ahead to to that time? I feel pretty good. I've I guess in my um, my years having done this for longer and longer, I, I understand that you can't just be tunnel vision year round. And I've tried to take the approach that the the first three or four months in preparation do as best as you can in terms of getting your body ready but don't really put much emotional energy into it and when that six month clock ticks over which will happen in just about a week and a half's time then it's time to start honing that in and and really putting in the focus but you you can't be 100 percent the whole time otherwise you just get stale and then you don't want to be out of that focus by the time it comes around so no I'm looking forward to it the body's feeling pretty good and I'm starting to rack up the the mileage and we'll just have to wait and see how February March April and May go before I really make the big predictions injury is always the the big concern is it yeah so I I missed a few weeks training in November and December with some some niggles here and there so that was a bit frustrating but I seem to be fully healthy now and I'm looking forward to a couple of local races while I'm down under Getting back to to London, I, I suppose that the fact that you've been through it before with with Beijing must be a, a big help. Yeah, I think the big thing that helped me for Beijing was that I just managed to make it into the final at the World Championships the year before. So I had that experience of having to run three hard rounds, and um, now that I have that again, I feel I'll be one of the more experienced campaigners out there. And Last year was really disappointing, so I've I've got that sour taste in my mouth that I don't want that to happen again. So it's easy to say whenever you had a bad situation happen, whether it be an injury or whatever, you say, oh, it might end up being a blessing in disguise, but that's certainly the approach that I'm taking. And this is the Olympic year. We're not leaving any stone unturned. Um, we're not going to be try- 
trying out any different strategy. We know that didn't quite work last year, but it was still fun to give it a go. And now we know it's time to knuckle down with what we know has worked in the past. The fact that you meddled in Beijing, does that make you a target? Does that help or, or hinder you? I don't think it makes me a target for my competitors. I've got pretty short memories, especially the fact that most of them didn't even run in that race. Um, there's a lot of young guys coming up through the ranks that um, probably don't even know who Nick Willis is. So um, it's it's something that will give me the confidence and ability to know that never write yourself off. There's always um, there's always a possibility of getting to the very top, even if you're only the 10th or the 11th fastest time that season. Um, hopefully I will have one of the fastest times going in, but as last year showed, I went in with the third fastest time and it, it was irrelevant. I ended up finishing 12th, so... Ultimately, it will come down to how those final couple of weeks go, and I'm very thankful that we're going to be in a, a more favourable climate for competing in and not having to worry about your hydration levels and all that sort of stuff. So I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. So are you a bit of an old man on the, the middle distance scene then? If you've got a few, a, a lot of younger guys that might not even know you, you won a silver medal. Well, i have older in the sense that I've been doing it for so long. Um, a lot of the Kenyans don't actually um, state their official age, apparently. Um, so a lot of them probably are the same age as me, but they've only been on the circuit for one or two years. But in terms of having been there, done that, um, I've been doing this on the international circuit now for a decade, so I feel like I've got a lot of experience from which to draw upon. Do you, you feel as though you've got another medal in you? No, I most certainly do. I feel I'm in a better position than I did last time, and um, I was hoping to get a medal. Now there will definitely be a huge disappointment if I'm not able to get up there. But having said that, I know that it is, you need a lot and a lot of things to go your way. You've got to have great health to be able to put in the four or five months of really intense training. Look, we're pushing our bodies to the absolute extreme to even have a chance of a medal, so the likelihood of an injury is, is probably pretty high when you have to push yourself that hard. If you're playing it safe, you're not going to get onto that podium. So that's the real challenge, and then you have to have certain things in the race go your way. Spaces open up, gaps come your way, not getting boxed, and you can have the best tactical mind you possibly could want, but you're all reliant on how the other 11 guys in the race play it out as well. So... But you've got to put yourself in with a chance, and I, I really look forward to the challenge. And um, as I say, the improvement curve's still going up, so there's no reason not to think that. You've got fame from that, that silver medal. Does it, does it bring fortune? There's a lot of benefits for performing well at championships, and the sponsors certainly um, like to um, push their dollars that way um, to medalists, not people that just perform on the Grand Prix circuit. Um, so this, this year could really... Um, make a big difference in my decision making in terms of the next six or seven years whether it's time to start looking towards other business interests or to continue to focus 100% on, on my running um, until it stops paying my bills I guess but that's not something I'm really going to be focused on. I've been taken extremely well care of by Reebok and by Spark and um, yeah it's, it's not something that I um, have had to face the challenges that many other athletes, so I'm very thankful for that, and I'm going to take that responsibility and um, make sure I, I knuckle down for London and perform as my sponsors and my nation have provided me the ability to. Do, winning a silver medal does it? I mean, does it give you the chance to set yourself up for, for later in life, or does it simply just make things easier as, as you're living now? Well, so long as you're smart with stuff, any money you make when you're younger 
you're ahead of the game, aren't you? If you're not having to get student loans and um, take out, get on the red side of things. So I, I feel like if you're smart with it, any any buck you make when you're young is a huge um, step ahead of what most um, situations have to go. Where it's not till uh, 40 or 45 before they actually start putting positive bank towards their retirement. So I'm fortunate with that, and I, I've just got to make sure I don't um, blow it all away as well. Have you got thoughts on what you want to do after? After racing, I'm definitely open to a lot of opportunities. I'm I'm not exactly sure what's going to be out there, but um, after London, I'm I'm certainly excited to at least um, get knee or waist deep and and some different business ventures that might um, pop my way and sort of have that those last four years going through to Rio, where I probably will will start to think about ending my career. Um, hopefully on a high, but at least I'll, I will have had more of a transition time. Um, I, I love running, but I'm also looking forward to not spending my whole days in between training sessions, focusing on recovering the whole time. I'd like to, um, yeah, be involved a bit more on a, on a daily, um, on daily working routines. So Rio is still obviously a goal. Um, very much, most definitely. Look, I'm um, I'm looking at adding the 5,000 metres to my repertoire as well, and this year at the London Olympics, the 5K is after the 1,500, so if I do choose to um, go that route, it's not going to impede at all my 1,500 chances, but it would just be a um, sort of a an insurance policy if I were to trip up in the semi-final, the 1,500 or something like that. Heaven forbid I don't make the final there's another race there for me to give it a crack and if it's a tactical race then you never know what's happening but really that would be to just get my a taste of what the 5k is like and then um, use that as a transition for the next four years as I as I look to add that as part of my 1500 meter um, running not to eliminate the 15 but to do it in addition to. So would Rio possibly be the 5000 be your focus at that point or would you still see the 1500 as the the main event? I guess it would just really um, wait and see until um, we'd get there. But my coach has always talked to me. He said, look, if you're ever going to do the 5K, you've got to do it properly. It's not something you just do off of 1,500-metre training. So what we would then do is we would race the 1,500 off of 5,000-metre training, which can be a very, very successful formula. Bernard Leggett and Al Garouge have both proven that you can do the double but they're doing it mostly off of 5,000-metre type training, which is what I seem to respond best to anyway, more of the high volume, a lot of what we call aerobic training where you're running just below your maximum, but there's always a little bit left, so you keep on going longer and longer. I don't seem to respond too well to a lot of speed training. breaks my muscles down and stuff, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, but definitely um, looking to, to at least explore the avenue um, after London. I was talking to Olympic silver medalist Nick Willis. The current mile record is 3 minutes 44.13 seconds, and that was set by Morocco's Hisham El Garouj in 1999. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. The New Zealand women's hockey team finished third at the last Champions Trophy tournament, but their current form suggests they'll be hard-pressed to repeat that effort in the 2012 version in Argentina starting this weekend. The Black Sticks finished last in a recent warm-up Four Nations tournament and lost 6-1 to China recently too in another practice match. 
Coach Mark Hager, though, maintains he's not panicking as the side's last international match play was in October and it's taking time to adjust. Probably sick of the, the, the score lines that we're copying at the moment. People are going to realise that they're playing for positions in the Champions Trophy team, not to mention the future, so they need to step it up and then start to take some ownership in, in, in their own uh, ability on the field. Really, a lot of our young ones um, have struggled here, uh, and even some of the players, fringe players who haven't played a lot last year, they've, they've really struggled. And, you know, this is a great opportunity for them to step up, and they need to, starting on Saturday. They, they need to basically put their hand up and not go in their shell, and I think that's at the moment in the back of their mind, they're, they're, rather than playing, they're, they're being a little bit apprehensive and sitting back and waiting for things to happen, but they need to start initiating it. I imagine you've been uh, concentrating on defence a little bit, given that some of those score lines. So how's the work going in there, and I guess particularly in the midfield? Yeah, look, and, and we know that when we're not playing well in the midfield, we get punished. Our midfield aren't playing particularly well. Our inside forward trio need to step up and take more ownership in that area. And, and at the moment, we're, we're, just, we're just turning the ball over too much. The bottom line is, is, is if I have to be critical of our group, it's when we win the ball off the opposition, we're just giving it straight back. So just, just our decision-making is really poor at the moment. What do you think can be done to, to rectify that heading into this big tournament on the weekend? Just keep it simple and make, make A to B passes. Don't try and overcomplicate it. And uh, At the moment, we're, we're, we're trying too hard to make things happen rather than just, just doing the simple easy things and getting back to simple basics. Uh, and I think that's the big, the big message that we'll be giving to the girls is, is don't overcomplicate it, just... You know, make an easy, simple pass. The longer we hold the ball, the we're going to be in games and we'll start becoming confident that at the moment, uh, when we win it, we're just giving it straight back and, and um, opposition teams are coming straight back at us. And, you know, we're not coping with that at all. So, you know, we're learning a lot of lessons and, unfortunately, it's too many for, for my liking. Is there a sense you have to perhaps slow it down and, and stick a little closer together, shorten the passes up, that sort of stuff, just slowly work it up the field? Uh, unfortunately, I wish we could. <laughs> but in our game with the auto pass and how quick the game's played now, you, you can't. You've got to play the high-tempo game. If, if you play slowly, then the opposition just press you really quickly and, and they make intercepts. So we, we need to still play at a high tempo and, and try and match it. And we're probably about, oh, I reckon, a good 15% down on the intensity that we would like to play or that we know we can play. And, and for some reason, we're not just able to, to step it up at the moment. It's, it is strange, isn't it? Because it's not like you're lacking fitness or pace anywhere, is it? No, no, exactly right. I think at the moment um, other teams are ahead of us, just physically. They've come to this tournament probably better prepared. and, and Well, not so much better prepared, but I think with, with more of a mindset that they want to be do well here. And, and I think at the moment we're a little bit complacent on last year's result and, and we're waiting for it to happen instead of making it happen. Well, let's move on to the actual Champions Trophy. You've got Argentina first up. I believe you played them last in the Four Nations. Uh, I, I guess it's good you've had a couple of hit-outs against them now and, and, and the, the margin came down in that last one. So, you know, all to play for in that first match against the hosts. Definitely, and they're in our Olympic pool as well. So it's, a, it's going to be a good contest for us and to see whether we can step up. Again, it should be a good crowd. They're after a bit of pride after not playing in the final in, in Cordoba in the Four Nations. So... Yeah, they'll, they'll be a tough team. They'll be much better. We watched them play last night against China and they drew one all. And they looked as though they were starting to get their act together. So, uh, you know, they're always a tough team, particularly at home. South Korea and Germany, oh, they're both good teams, actually, aren't they? There's no easy games in this pool. 
No, definitely not. Yeah, you think Korea won the Four Nations, the practice games have had some good results, and uh, yeah, they're a team on the improve, and and, and they'll be hard to beat. They're, you know, they're playing very, very well. You know, you've got to give them credit. They're a tough team, and they made good inroads. And Germany are always tough. You know, they, they, I think they've, they've been training with a squad of about 27 over the last month. So, you know, they'll be very tough also. You'd probably be looking at Argentina as perhaps the um, match you're more likely to get some points in. As we said, they're, they're all pretty tough. They are. And, I mean, we, we, we're aiming to get points off every team we play. So, And we know we can. If, if we play to our potential, then, then we're up there. So... We just need to close that gap, and even if we get 5% back, then um, you know, we're going to reduce the number of turnovers we're having currently. And finally, Mark, um, you know this is the elite tournament, and you'll be coming up against, as you said, at, at least one or two of these sides at the uh, Olympics. And as an Olympic year, this is a pretty crucial build-up. But it is this, this tournament in, the, in an Olympic cycle, it is, it is a build-up tournament for the London Games, really, as well. Yeah, it is. We, we want to do well. Um, you know, if, if I'd be very disappointed if we walked away from here with the score lines that we've had. If teams are able to give us a bit of a touch-up, then um, I'd be very disappointed if, if, we, if that happens and, and know that we've got a lot of work to do. But this group don't like losing, and, and you know, we just need to become tighter against the defensive unit um, if we're going to be competitive at this at the Champions Trophy. That's Black Sticks coach Mark Hager talking to Richard Wayne. The Black Sticks start their Champions Trophy campaign against Argentina and also play South Korea and Germany in pool play. The Wellington Phoenix have reached the dizzy heights of third place in the Australian football competition, the highest the club's been since joining the competition in 2007. On Sunday, they play the fourth-placed Melbourne Heart in Wellington with the chance of moving into second spot. Having won their last two away games in Australia, also something the club has never done before, Captain Andrew Durante told me they're in a buoyant frame of mind. Quite dizzy up there, isn't it? I mean, we, we've never been up there and you know, there's talk of a top two finish. And look, I don't want to get too carried away with it all. We just want to, you know, enjoy where we are at the moment, continue to, to uh, play well. And uh, we'll see after we, we uh, hopefully we beat Melbourne. After we do that, we'll see where we're sitting. Um, I think we'll, we'll jump Brisbane if we beat Melbourne. And we'll see if results go away. And uh, look, do we deserve to be up there? Yeah, I, I think we definitely deserve to be in the top four. Uh, top two, you know, it's a, it'd be guys with some really good teams playing some good football. But, hey, if we're there, then obviously, um, you know, we're doing something right. So that'll be nice to be up there. The mood of the camp must be pretty buoyant after those those two away wins. Yeah, look, it's it's been good. Uh, you know, we're sitting up in third place, somewhere we haven't been, uh, I think, in the history of the football club, which is nice. But, uh, look, there's still, you know, eight or nine games left to go, and, you know, it's still a very close league. So, I mean, this game's a huge one for us on Sunday. You know, third versus fourth, and we get to get a little bit of a buffer on them if we win. So, uh, hopefully it's a good day, hopefully it's a good crowd, and, and we get out there and, and do the job. Much was obviously talked about about that whole away trip bogey. Was there any magic solution you came up with? No, look, I th- you know, we lost at home against Perth the week before we went on the road and, um, you know, it was really disappointing and we were really, uh, you know, upset with ourselves that uh, we lost at home because it's not something that happens very often and, uh, you know, it's a business end of the season. We thought we'd really have to, you know, get results on the road now and it was sort of almost like a, a, a desperation thing. We knew we just had to win no matter what and, you know, they probably weren't uh, pretty games to watch but, you know, that's exactly what we needed. Bunker down, make sure we, we didn't concede and, and pinch a goal, and, and it worked to perfection both games. So um, I, I think just that you know desperation that we really needed to 
pick up points on the road because we let ourselves down at home was probably the key to that. So you haven't come away thinking we've got this away thing cracked? Well, now that we've won and, and you know, we, we sort of know what it takes to win, uh, the mentality that, uh, you know, we really need to be solid and disciplined in defence, I think that's going to hold us in good stead. We've got some really difficult away games uh, coming up. You know, we've got Adelaide and, and Central Coast and the two Melbourne teams, and they're definitely not easy ones. But if we can have that same mentality, it's going to go a long way to us uh, picking up some good results. Is there a danger that having got those two away wins that you, you back off a little bit now thinking we've done the hard part? Oh, look, it's, it could be very easy to slip back into that type of a mode, but um, I, I hope not. I don't think it will be. Signs that training has, have been really good and, and positive. And look, we're back at home, and like I said, we lost last time we were at home. We want to repay the fans. Uh, you know, we've we've had such a good record at home. So Sunday's a big one for us. It's, it's going to mean a lot. Um, you know, like I said, third versus fourth. Uh, get a little bit of a buffer on. Uh, you know, fourth place and really give us a chance to, to make a home playoffs. What's going to be the key to, to getting past Hart? Yeah, look, they're a good team. Um, you know, they've, they're, they're very uh, dangerous out wide and they're very well organised. Uh, you, you know, you're not sitting up in fourth position if you're if you're a bunch of mugs. So, um, look, I think, you know, we've got to really go at them. We've got to play our, our good attacking brand of football that we do at home. Um, you know, hopefully Ives is um, fit and ready and, and Danny Sanchez. You know, they're, they're important players for us and um, if they can turn it on, there's no reason why we won't win the game. The fact you are third, higher than you would have anticipated, given the way things were at the start of the season. Yeah, higher than anyone would have anticipated. I think you know we again we were picked to be down the bottom, and again we've proved a lot of people wrong. And you know you, sh- you probably couldn't blame people for picking us to, to come down the bottom at the beginning of the year. Obviously, change of ownership. Um, you know there was a little lot of unrest uh, in the club, and. And we picked up a lot of injuries before a ball's even been kicked. There's been suspensions at the beginning of the year. We've sometimes Ricky's had to pick a squad on whoever's out on the pack, uh, paddock uh, available. So it's been a very, very testing year on us. But we've we've come through in flying colours so far. But like I said, there's a long way to go, and you know we can't just be happy that we're third. And uh, you know with eight games to go, we we need to continue on this form. I was talking to Phoenix captain Andrew Durante. Two of the most notorious shriekers in tennis will square off on the final of the Australian Open in Melbourne this weekend, aware that the WTA will be closely monitoring them. The Women's Tennis Association announced earlier this week it's looking into ways of reducing grunting and shrieking in the women's game after many complaints over Victoria Azarenka and Maria Sharapova. Richard Wayne reports. Under current Women's Tennis Association rules, the umpire can penalise a player for a deliberate act of hindrance, but the rule is rarely enforced when it comes to grunting. Grunting in women's tennis has been an issue as far back as the heyday of Monica Sellers in the 1990s, although former world number one Martina Hingis says she wasn't particularly bothered by it. When I played the players like Sharapova or Sellers or... Uh, I don't know, if you keep winning and uh, you don't think about it, the moment you lose, you're losing, it's probably more distracting, I don't know. <laughs> or sometimes it's like it's a, like a heavy grunt and it's on the service line and the ball doesn't have any weight on it, you're like, okay. But I think it's more of a, uh, of the spectators. I think it's like they're watching. Uh, I think it's more of an issue of the spectators. The current world number one, Carolyn Wozniacki, has said previously that she believes some players are grunting on purpose. Decibel counters set up in Melbourne Park this week at the Australian Open reportedly have measured Azarenka's whale at 91 decibels and Sharapova's understood to have reached 98. 
It's about the same noise level as a motor mower. And it's a topic Sharapova is rather sensitive about. No one important enough has certainly told me to change or do something different. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I've answered it many times before, and I'm sure I'll answer it many more times ahead of me. And, and I'm okay with that. The 16-time men's Grand Slam winner, Roger Federer, says so many players are in contention for the women's number one spot, he's noticed plenty of on-court tenseness among the players. I see many women's players being extremely sort of tense and fist-pumping after every single point. It's for me pretty surprising to see that, to be honest. Uh, I fist-pump maybe five times, I don't know, at most. They do that in one game, so it's just pretty... Incredible to see how tense they are. Back in 2008, a nine-year-old Melbourne girl, Lauren Edwards, was banned by her local club because she grunted too loudly. It's more of a natural thing for me to make my noise and everything. So, like, I'd say if I don't make my noise, I wouldn't play my very, very best. There's no chance of Sharapova or Azarenka being banned from centre court at the Australian Open, but being courtside may not be the most pleasant of experiences, unless you're wearing earmuffs. Richard Wayne with that report. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for this week. Remember, if you have any feedback, you can contact us at sport at radionz.co.nz. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.